And thankfully, Bill has warmed us up with this passage of Luke chapter 24. But it begins with, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So just take that in for a minute and think about that. On the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday for them, having celebrated the Sabbath on Saturday, a day of rest, we think about God creating the world in six days, and on the seventh day He rested. Um, and so that's when the Jewish, uh, tr- was the Jewish tradition to celebrate on the Sabbath. On the day that God rested, they were to rest. But we know that on Good Friday that Jesus suffered for six hours on the cross and then He said it is finished and He rested uh, and was in the tomb. And so on the first day of the week they go there and they took spices with them and those spices they took with them were to prepare His body. Uh, And so they totally expected Him to be gone, to be dead, to see His dead body there But it wasn't what they expected. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Let's pray together. God, we uh, we thank You for Your Word today. And only You can break through. Only You can break through whatever might be going on in our minds and our lives today that keep us from experiencing You, Lord Jesus Christ, as a living Savior, as a living hope. And so, God, I'm so thankful that it's not dependent on me today. But, God, that your word is powerful and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, God, I ask that your word would go forth today and, and multiply. And that you would break through whatever needs to be broken through in people's lives. And most importantly, that you would roll away any stones of unbelief and doubt, of selfishness and worldliness. God, any stones that the enemy has piled up over us that try to keep us in the dark. And I pray for the glorious resurrection life, for the glorious resurrection light and hope of Jesus Christ to fill each one of our hearts and our lives. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we think about the resurrection accounts that we have in the Gospels, it's important that we remember there. They're not that they were eyewitness accounts. We read them today, and and if we're not careful, we can read them like any old story that we read. And we are very influenced today by fiction, especially what we watch on television or uh, movies. Uh, And so we get the idea that it's just another story. But it's not another story. It's a historical document that you're reading today as you open the Bible of eyewitness accounts. People that were actually there, uh, that knew Jesus and walked with Jesus and saw Him crucified on the cross. In the 18th century, there was a Scottish philosopher named David Hume who was the father, they called him, the father of skepticism. So he wasn't real convinced about any miracles that he ever read about in history. Uh, And so he kind of set up a system of six, uh, six things that he was going to use to identify if a miraculous claim 
was even to be considered as true. And so he, uh, he, he set these out, and first of all, he said, are the miraculous claims numerous? Is there more than just one person making this miraculous claim? Somebody's probably told you a story uh, of a miracle or something that happened, and you were kind of skeptical because you're like, you're the only person that's ever said this, so I don't really know if I'm going to believe that. And actually, there's cults that are based on one person's account of something that God showed them. And so is that true for the story of Jesus? Is there more than just one person? Uh, And then also, were they intelligent? The people that encountered this, were they intelligent? Were they educated? Or is this just just some some person's account that didn't have any intelligence or education? Um, And so while the, the disciples weren't educated and the first Christians weren't educated in rabbinical schools, and maybe they didn't have a degree in theology, so to speak, but they were, because of what they've written, we can tell they were intelligent people. Uh, they, they knew what they were talking about. Did they have integrity, unquestionable integrity? Were they people that you could trust? Were they willing to undergo severe loss if what they said wasn't true? If what they said couldn't be verified? Were they, were they willing to go through severe loss? Uh, and, uh, and so he had all those check marks, so to speak, to say, can we trust uh, these accounts? And if we went through those, you could say, yes, absolutely. This isn't just some story that one person made up. It isn't just some story of of a person that had a motive, a financial motive. I'm going to gain financially from this or something like that. In fact, it cost them their lives. They martyred. They were martyred for their faith in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. They underwent severe loss. Uh, of their families, of their, you know, everything in their life. It disrupted everything. And the accounts were absolutely numerous. There were 500 plus people that encountered the risen Jesus Christ. Uh, As you study Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and the New Testament in general, you can see that it was written by people that were intelligent, people that uh, were educated, People that, that knew their culture and knew their society and, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, were able, were connected with God to share uh, their, their points of view, how they saw Jesus Christ, uh, what they encountered and what they witnessed as eyewitnesses. And then one of Hume's last points was, can you validate it? Can you, can you easily validate this miracle? And the answer to that is absolutely because the stone was rolled away from the tomb and you could walk into that tomb and you could see with your own eyes that Jesus Christ was no longer there, that he was no longer there. And so this is it's amazing to think about this and to really take it in. Uh, that there are absolutely verifiable reasons to believe in the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But also, Satan is going to be out there providing for you reasons to not believe. The world, the flesh, the devil is always at work to give you reasons and very smart people that make you think, oh, it couldn't be true, and, and I'm not going to believe that. But if we're honest and open today, we can see there is every reason to believe that God's Word is true and trustworthy and reliable. 
And most importantly, it's only through God's Word that you are going to find the way to eternal life. One day, each one of you, and myself included, are going to lie in a grave of some sort. And what hope do we have beyond that? And that hope is found right here. That we will rise again. That we will be with the Lord. As He rose from the dead, He too will raise us from the dead. In one of the Gospel accounts, there's a thief on a cross, dying, being crucified next to Jesus. And Jesus, He believes in Jesus. He stands up for Jesus. And Jesus tells Him today, you will be with Me in paradise. And this thief, he'd never been to church that we know of. He was being executed by the Romans for horrible things. Crucifixion was only reserved for the worst of the worst to send a message to the society. And so this wasn't a Boy Scout. This wasn't a Sunday school teacher. This wasn't a good person. And Jesus told him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me. By faith that thief was saved by believing in Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this resurrection account, there's lots of questions. There's so many things that we could talk about. But we see uh, in Luke's account, these ladies are the first to arrive there. And the stone is rolled away. And so verse 3, But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. They did not find what they were looking for. They went looking for the dead body of Jesus. They wanted the closure of seeing that body, of knowing where He was and being able to do one last act of love toward Him, one last caring act of love toward Him. Kind of like today, if you ever attend a funeral and at the end they open the casket and you walk past the, uh, to, to show your last respects, to receive that closure uh, and, uh, and, and so they were there to, to experience that, to have that closure, but it wasn't what they expected. They did not find what they're looking for. And so our first question in the sermon notes, who do you turn to when you don't find what you're looking for? Whatever it might be in life, we're often looking for something, and sometimes we don't find what we're looking for. We find something different. And God often works in that way. And who do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Do you Google before you turn to God? I want to challenge you today when you don't find what you're looking for, turn to God. Turn to God before you turn to Google. Trust in Him. That's what these ladies had to do. They had to turn to God. They didn't understand. Nothing like this had happened before. Turn to God and be faithful until He intervenes, until He provides. Turn to God and be faithful. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. One of the greatest ways God is going to test you is making you wait. Making you trust in Him. Putting you in situation after situation where you're not finding what you're looking for. It's not as you expected it to be. And you're called to be faithful. You're called to trust in Him until He provides. And that is a tough place to be. It stretches us and it grows us and we don't like it. But we need it. 
My son asked me today, Dad, do you like going to church? I think is his heart was. <laughs> and so obviously our Sunday school answer is, oh, yes, I just love it, right? But the, the right question to ask is, do I need to go to church? Absolutely. Whether I like it or not, uh, I, I want to be in that place. I want to be spiritually healthy to where, yes, I love going to church. But whether I like it or not, I need it. I need to be here today to, to, to experience the Lord with y'all, to worship the Lord together. We need to turn to God. We need to be faithful to Him. And so then the story picks up in verse 4. While they were perplexed about this, and that's the English Standard Version translation of that, but they didn't know what to do. They were perplexed. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? And so another question to think about today is what do you do when you don't know what to do? I've been in that situation so many times. <laughs> and, uh, and what do you do when you don't know what to do? And they didn't know what to do. They'd never, they were perplexed about this. He's not there. The this huge stone is rolled away and, and, and he's not there. And, and we've got all these spices and we're ready to do what we wanted to do, what we planned to do, what we got up early to do. But what do you do when you don't know what to do? And again, the answer is simple. Be faithful to God. Live faithfully to God. Study his word. Memorize text. There's so many ways we can interact with the Bible when we don't know what to do. Memorize it. Write it out over and over. Listen to people reading it, preaching it, teaching it. And wait for God. Live faithfully until God shows you what to do. That might sound simple, but that is so important. Because we are so prone to get ahead of God. Say, all right, God, I'm going to do something. Even if you've not shown me what to do, I don't have a clear idea. Well, I'm just going to go do something. And we often mess it up. We often get in trouble when we do that. So be faithful to God. Live faithfully to God until He shows you what to do. And that's what they had to do. This is They'd never experienced And now all of a sudden there's these men with dazzling apparel. Uh, what are they to do? And so this frightens them. It frightens them. And, uh, and they bow their faces to the ground. And then in verse 6, the men say, He is not here, but He has risen. He is not here, but He is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered His words. And they remembered His words. What do we do when we are afraid? Lots of things can make us fearful. We've especially, over the last year, experienced a lot of fear and anxiety and struggle and not knowing what to do. What do we do when we're afraid? These ladies were afraid because there were angels in their presence that they'd never experienced anything like before and Jesus' body wasn't there, and now there's angels in this dazzling apparel, and what do they do 
And what do you do when you're afraid? The greatest thing that we can do is faithfully remember the Word of God. It was like a light finally came on. Hello, they told him. Remember His words. Remember what He told you. He told you this. Jesus said this. We need to faithfully remember His Word. Remember His resurrection power. And stop looking for fulfillment in dead things. He asked them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And how often are we... We're, we're looking. We don't... What you know wasn't what we expected. We didn't find what we were looking for, so we turned to something in the world, something that people have to offer, or uh, some person with a doctorate on television is telling you they're they're an expert. You turn to them, but they're without faith in Christ. They're dead. You're looking for uh, you're you're looking among the dead to find something that's alive, something that brings hope. And we're often doing that. We're looking for fulfillment in dead things. Things that aren't eternal. Things that will not last. That will not survive the righteous wrath of God that He will bring upon this world. Are you in that boat today? You're looking for fulfillment in dead things? Stop it. Look to the risen Savior. Look to Jesus Christ today. To be faithful until God provides, we've got to also go and share the message of our resurrected Savior. If you're not sharing the message of Jesus, you're not being faithful. You're not living faithfully. And so I want to challenge you today to do that, to share the message of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 or verse 10, Mary Magdalene and Joanna, the mother of James, and the other women went with them and told these things to the apostles. They told it to them. They shared it. They, they did it. And they knew the, this is what just happened is wild. I don't even know what to think about what just happened, but I'm going to go tell them. I'm going to go share what just happened to us. And then, but what do you do when those you share with do not believe? It's so easy, it's wonderful when you can go out there and you can share with somebody and, and they believe. And they're like, oh my goodness, awesome. I want the Lord. I want to I be baptized. I want to follow Jesus Christ. But that's not always the case, is it? Anybody that's gone out there and really shared the gospel knows that not everybody believes. And there's nothing you can do to force them to believe. It is the Lord's work. So what do you do when people don't believe? Verse 11, these ladies go and, and they tell the, the, the apostles, the, the, those that knew Jesus the best, that should have remembered His words even more so. Verse 11, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. The apostles, it seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. What do you do when people don't believe? We faithfully live for the Lord. That's what we do. We trust Him. We faithfully pray and intercede on the, for them. We faithfully obey the Lord until Jesus shows them that He is the way. And I'm going to let you finish 
chapters 12 or verses 12 through 53 to see how that's exactly what happens. Jesus reveals himself to them. The apostles live, they pray, they obey, and Jesus shows them that he is the way, that he is alive. I want to challenge all of us as I've challenged myself, be faithful for he is risen. He is risen. Amen. Amen. As we close today, I want us to think about we shared on Good Friday in our Good Friday service. That's knowledge. We've given you knowledge. That, that's some of the best knowledge in the world is right there in the Bible. And that's where a lot of us stop. We hear about it. Okay, there's a Jesus guy and he, he died, he was crucified, he rose again. That's the knowledge of it. But until your heart changes, until Jesus Christ reveals Himself to you, like if you follow on the road of, of Emmaus, these two men are walking with Jesus and they don't even know it, the risen Savior Jesus. And He explains to them how the whole Bible's about Him. It's all about Him. But until He reveals Himself to them, they don't see it. And sadly, that's where a lot of, a lot of people live. We have the knowledge about it, but not the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to think about that as we close our service today and we have a time of invitation. That might be what you need most today. Rather than the pot roast waiting on you at home or the ham and egg, or deviled eggs or whatever you're looking forward to, the revelation of a Savior Jesus Christ in your life. How do you know if you've encountered the risen Christ? Well, over and over again in the accounts of the Bible, people that encounter Jesus Christ encounter the presence of God in the risen Savior Jesus Christ through people preaching the Word. When they encounter Jesus, they have a desire to repent. They no longer want to live like they're living. They no longer want to continue on the path that they've lived on. They want to turn to Jesus Christ. They want to live for Jesus Christ. So they hear about Jesus and that's the knowledge part and we've got to get out there and share that part of it. And then Jesus must reveal Himself to them. And when Jesus genuinely reveals, yourself, reveals Himself to you and you open your heart, you want to repent. You want to live for Him. You want to go a new way. You want to forsake the ways of the flesh and the world and live for the way of Jesus Christ. And so that repentance leads you into a relationship with God. But if you just continue on in your sin and you continue on in the way you used to live, but you say, oh, but I know Jesus, there's no real relationship there. There's no saving relationship there. And we encourage you with all your heart to be real about that. If there's no repentance in your life, if you think you know better than the Bible, your lifestyle's better than the Bible, your feelings and emotions are more important than what God tells you to do in the Bible, then you don't have a relationship that's going to save you. You've got knowledge, but no relationship. And so we challenge you today to think about that. Ask Jesus to reveal Himself to you. 
And as He does, you're going to repent and do that with all your heart. Share it all. That's all we can do is bring our sin to Jesus. Here I am, Lord. Forgive me. All I have to offer you is my sin. Forgive me. And then as you enter into that relationship with the Lord, you receive Him as your Savior. Then you're found in Him. His righteousness covers you, not because of what you've done, but because you've believed in Him and trusted in Him as your Savior and Lord. So as we close today, I encourage you to think about that. And if you've never prayed to receive Christ Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you can do it today. Bring that, just confess your sin to Him. Admit that you need Him. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you. And then make that commitment that from this day forward, it's no longer my way. It's no longer the world's way. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ His way. And I'm going to dedicate my life to live for You, Lord. That's repentance. I turn away from my way and my emotions and my thoughts and what I want to do and I go the way the Lord calls me to. And I follow Him faithfully for the rest of my life. You can do that today. You can enter into a relationship today. He receives your sin. All of it. Every ugly detail of it. And you receive His righteousness. Where God sees your sin no more. But don't fool yourself that just because you've heard about it today, you're good. Knowledge won't save you. Knowledge won't save you. A lot, a lot of people have said, I can't remember if it's 13 or how many ever inches between your head and your heart. That's the distance that most people, it takes for people to go to hell. They get the knowledge, but never the relationship. Never the saving relationship that sinks into their life and saves them where they live for the Lord Jesus Christ from this day forward. That's what the apostles do. Read the book of Acts this week. They lose their lives for the Lord. They risk their lives for the Lord. They forsake all they ever knew about even the Jewish religion. It all changed. It was all transformed. And they gave it all up for God. And God's calling us to do the same today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come and pray for that, God. That we thank You for this opportunity to share this knowledge. I thank you, God, that your knowledge is trustworthy, reliable, and is able to do the work of a surgeon here today, to take out a calloused old sin-filled heart and give us a new heart that is filled with your love and your power and your grace. And I pray that over each and every person here. God, if there's someone that has knowledge of you, but it's not saving Knowledge, I pray that they would be saved today. God, that they would turn their heart to You. They would dedicate the rest of their life to You. Whether that be an hour or a hundred years. And God, that each one of us would be found faithful. Lord Jesus, I thank You for dying on the cross for my sin. As ugly as it was. And I thank you, God, that you're here today to offer forgiveness and life to any person here who wants to be saved, who hears your voice and is willing to
to give their life to You. Help them to do that right now. Help them to ask You in their own words to forgive You of their sin. Just say, Lord Jesus, I I ask You to forgive me. God, help them to pray a prayer in their own words that invites You to be the Savior and the Lord and the boss and the guide of their life. Just invite Him in to to save you. Just invite Him in. And then God, help them in your time to make a public profession of that faith. To publicly declare to another person, whether that be here in this invitation time today or to their spouse or to their family or to someone, God, help them to publicly profess that they have made this decision to follow you as their Savior and their Lord. And God, as believers, help us, challenge us today to live in Your resurrection power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.